0: Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, July 10th, 2022. Today's sermon will be an introduction to gospel community. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. A couple of announcements before we get, get started this morning. The first is we're going to have a baptism today. Some of you probably didn't know that but we're actually, we, but together, Greg is going to baptize Nick, Nick Boardman, and so we we get to have Nick, and uh, as you know, Katie's husband, because, um, you know, Katie was a member here at Grace, uh, Greg's daughter, for some time. She moved this way, and then she moved back to Tennessee, and we lost her to Tennessee. Then she met this guy named Nick, and she got married, and through all of their visits and all their comings this way, through the, the hearing of the preaching of the word and the Steinbargers and others sharing with Nick, Nick had, you know, a while back made a profession of faith. And personally, we've seen a, a, a great change in Nick's life. And um, so it's time for, for Nick to be baptized, and he was, you know, considering doing it back there. They were already involved at a church back there, and so when they go back to Tennessee, that's where they'll be, but... but uh, for, for today and for this time. We think it's a good thing, and, and it's and again, we talked all about this, but Greg is going to jump in the pool here in a few minutes with Nick and, uh, and baptize Nick. So we look forward to that. Now, the door is jammed out here on the outside. So today, we're, we're going to go straight through gym number two over here, or gym number one, whichever one it is, and everybody will pass through the ladies dressing rooms so if you've ever wondered what the ladies dressing rooms of the YMCA look like going right through the ladies dressing room so that Greg and Nick can go into the men's dressing room and get changed and so then we'll meet out there and we'll we'll wait for them out there so we're excited today Nick and uh, glad that you guys are here and look forward to, to what God will do in your life and in your family so that's <clears> the <throat> the first announcement another announcement And I'll send this out in an email this week, but this Friday night, uh, 7 o'clock, for an hour at my house, if anyone would like to come and just pray for an hour, um, you are welcome to come. And so I'll be there if anybody else wants to come along, 7 o'clock, my house, pray for an hour. And so that'll happen this week. that's all really the announcements I have and so now we we'll, it's normally where I say okay turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter it would be chapter 9 but we're gonna venture out of chapter 9 this week and uh, and do something a little bit different um, I I heard a pastor recently say he's so used to it, pastors having all of these points point 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 he said well today I have I have no points So I guess my sermon is pointless. Now, that certainly will not be the case, but I do have no official points. We're going to talk together about some things. Um, And the title is basically, it's taken from a book that I've put on the book table. Seven of them are back there called Compelling Community. And the elders are reading this together. And so I just, this week and next week, just want to talk about some things. About what it means to be community together. And so with that in mind, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the rain, even as we hear it coming down now. We are reminded as your word comes down from heaven, just like the rain comes down from heaven, so your word comes down to us and will accomplish what you determine. For it to accomplish. And Father, we are recipients. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. We are recipients even as we've sung the word already. And as we read the word. As Scott read from Proverbs 31. And and Father, as we read some scriptures this morning. And as we do that, your word is is working powerfully in our lives. And so, Father, we give thanks for your word. Today I pray that the, the sermon would be applicable pray that it would lift up Christ, that he might be more beautiful to us, that he might increase, that we might decrease, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. The sermon today is really a piggyback off of, really, last week's sermon as well from Hebrews 8. And the second point from last week from that text was that, all of God's people, all of the members of the new covenant will know the Lord. And we talked a lot about that. And that's really what separates Baptists from Presbyterians. We talked a little bit about that last week. We don't believe that there is a mixed community. For, as, I, as I shared last week with, with all of Israel, all the people of Israel in the Old Testament, they were a mixed community. We see them go up and down in their obedience, and they're a one big community, one big theocracy. But for the most part of their history, only a few of them are believers. And sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less, sometimes there's hardly any at all. But there's a mixed community. But when we come to the new covenant, the Bible says, we, Hebrews 8 quotes from Jeremiah 31, speaking the least of them. To the greatest of them, all of them will know me. This means that all those who have been regenerated, all those who have believed on the Lord Jesus, all of those who have the Holy Spirit, because the Bible says if you do not have Christ, you do not have the Holy Spirit. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you do not have Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that regenerates us. And so... We are the new community, and because of that, this new covenant community that we are, we are also a supernatural community. So think of that word, because that's where I'm going with the sermon today, supernatural community. We are very different than other types of communities in the world, and what unites us is not the things of this world. What, who unites us? Christ. Christ is who unites us. Without Christ and His power, brothers and sisters, we have absolutely no supernatural community. But with Him, as the church, we are the most powerful community in the world. We are God's people. We have the Holy Spirit. And as we live, and as we speak, and as we move around and we make disciples... Power—the same power. I mean, is the, that the rain? Pictures coming down, God's word coming down to us. We are that supernatural community. So, with that in mind, I want us—I want us to consider this week and next week the idea of this idea of supernatural community. And I want to ask some questions. Here's some questions I have. What makes us a supernatural community? What does a supernatural community? look like? Um, What makes our grouping together as a supernatural community different than other communities of the world? And then I would like to, especially next week, but even today a little bit, but next week particularly, move into some applications as we think about this further. And I want to let everybody know that these thoughts are, are very biblical, okay? And I think about them often as a pastor, sometimes more than others. But just, I think, with the elders reading the book that, like I said, I put on the table back there, if you're interested in reading it, don't grab it if you're not going to read it. Only grab it. I only put seven back there for now. But if you want to read it, it's free. Just take it off the table back over there. But if you take it, make sure you read it. But the elders are reading this book. And so what it's causing in us is to ask some questions. What does it look like to be... A supernatural community. So, with that in mind, the sermon today is not my own, per se. Now, the applications a lot are, and a lot of the things in between are my own, but the actual idea for the sermon itself is not my own. And so the book, when you, if you get it and you read it, the book starts by describing two types of churches. Both of these churches are in the same big city, Both have been growing in numbers for many years. Both of these churches care for the poor. Both of them have lots going on on Sunday mornings and and at a place there where they gather throughout the week. Both are very tight-knit communities. Both use the Bible. Both have pastors who preach weekly sermons from the Bible. Both call themselves a church, but these two communities are very different. And so the book describes what we would call a more liberal church and a more conservative church. A conservative community versus a liberal community. And the author of the book tells us that the pastor of that one particular church, the liberal church, doesn't even believe in the atonement or that Christ died to cover sins. He doesn't even believe in the resurrection of Christ, a literal resurrection of Christ. He doesn't believe he doesn't even believe that maybe there there is a concrete God in the way that we would believe that today. But yet this person is still pastoring This church is still meeting, this church is still going on, and they have community. But the other community, the conservative church or community there, believes the Word of God. As as I've said twice already, rain comes down, picture of God's Word coming down. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So this other, more conservative church, believes in the power of the Word of God. So we have two different communities that are thriving as far as numbers, activities, talking about Christian things, using the Word, using sermons, engaged in the community, maybe with helping out with the poor, doing mission trips. But at this point in the book, the author, he comes to the end of this, and his point is that you've got community in both places, do you not? But only one of them is a real community. And so his point is that you don't necessarily have to have God to build a community and call yourself a church. So in this example, we see that one church thrives, at least in numbers, regardless of <coughs> the gospel. The author says that our churches Often, just talking generally, he says that our churches in this country often will build community without the gospel. And this happens all the time. And he doesn't say that that we aren't concerned with the gospel, that some of those churches don't say we are a gospel church, or that we purposely neglect the gospel. He doesn't say that that's necessarily the case, but he says that what's happening in the way they do church that we are in danger of building communities without the gospel, without the power. Even as Jeremiah, when, when, he, when he sang a few minutes ago, he was reading those words, 1 Corinthians, perfect, talking about the power of the gospel. So, what does it look like when a church builds community without the gospel, or is not focused so much necessarily on the gospel? Well, Let's say, I mean, here's one example, let's say a single mother comes to a church, comes to Grace, joins the church. I know it's a little different with us, we're not so big, but let's say, you know, a, a larger church. <clears throat> single mother comes along, so they, the leadership encourages the single mother to join a single mom's group, which is great, and would, would, and is all fine, but then very quickly... She integrates into that group and plugs in and starts thriving. Well, in that case, mission accomplished, right? Everything's good. Well, I know this is a bit general, but there's another person, another number, plugged into what's going on at the church. But what has occurred when that's what our focus is, is on that just getting someone involved in something that is just like her or him in that group, then that group ends up becoming more the identity of that person as opposed to the gospel. And so the author says that what happens when this happens in a church, this is a demographic phenomenon and not a gospel phenomenon. Now, it is true that just in this case single moms, of course, are going to gravitate one to another. And this is, this, is, this is fine and true and good. This is very normal. And we should see that because whatever our likes are, whatever our similarities are, then we should reach out with those that we have similarities with. So that's not the problem. This is very normal. And this community may be a very good and helpful one, but its existence says nothing about the power of the gospel. If that's all we do is to say, let's get together with like-minded folks and whatever. Now, let's think of some other things that we would use in our culture, in our church culture, to build community. Here's a few. One, similar life experiences. This would be singles groups, newly married, young professionals within churches that get together. Another one would be similar identity. Similar identity. Have you ever heard of the cowboy church? Biker church? Um, I've heard of, there's other ones as well. He gives some examples, but art churches. Now, there's nothing in and of itself wrong with trying to reach such things, but do you see how people then get together and become a community? What about similar causes? People tend to gravitate together when they do ministry for feeding the hungry or helping a school or combating trafficking or, you know, jumping jumping on board with just, which we should be, tons of things, like just abortion and being against abortion as Christians. Lots of things we could say, but then the churches sometimes tend to then get their identity from the biker, or from the arts, or from the whatever we throw in there. We could also gather because of similar needs, which programs-based program-based churches that organize around some type of felt need. There are all kinds of things that we could say here, and, and you, you've seen it. It happens all the time. I think you get the picture. And I must point out that none of these things are wrong. Don't hear me say that. Ever hear me say that. None of these things are wrong in and of themselves. And many of these things that, that I was just speaking of line up pretty clearly with reaching the lost and and doing the things that we should be doing as a church. But, if that is our focus, and it's it's a subtle thing, we don't really realize it, but if those things are our focus for building community, underneath these strategies for building community is not primarily the power of the gospel. Again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be with people of similar, like experiences. And in a church, even our size, we're going to see people of like experiences get together. That's perfectly good and fine. In fact, that's what we're going to end up doing, really, at the end of the day. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But if those things are our focus in our churches, our communities, then we may be building something that would exist even if God did not exist. So our tendency in the church is to do something because it works. People gravitate towards people like themselves. Brothers and sisters, with the right techniques and the right methods, we can grow a big community, I promise you. I've talked to pastors all the time, friends of mine who I've known that have smaller churches that came from larger churches and built bigger churches, and they say, I know how to build a community. We can do it right, but we may not focus on the gospel in so doing. And then what we think about in our culture is, hey, that church is bigger. They got lots going on. They must be healthier. They must be better. So with the right techniques and methods, we can build community, especially if we want to base our communities on likeness, the things that I've just shared. So in the book, he calls these churches that, that give, well, I hate to say lip service because some of these churches do believe the gospel. And at least in their understanding of the gospel, they get it right. And in their preaching of the gospel, they get it right. But he calls these churches sometimes gospel Plus. So the gospel's there, but the focus is more on all of those other things as opposed to the gospel. And so in these kinds of communities, ne- nearly every relationship is founded on the gospel plus something else. So for example, just work names I've come up with: Jim and James, they're both Christians in the church. But the real reason that they are friends is because of their likes and their interests. So there you go. They gravitate together because of, of that. But contrast this model with what the author calls a gospel revealing church or a gospel revealing community. In this gospel revealing community, in other words, what he believes to be a more healthy model, not focusing on all the church growth methods, but focusing on the gospel, in this gospel-revealing community, many relationships would not even exist if it were not for the power of the gospel. So in other words, in the congregation, we should have relationships that go beyond our likes to people that we wouldn't normally gravitate towards. And these are the kinds of relationships that the power of the gospel brings forth in a community than what he considers to be healthy. And so, when we think about this, what, brings, what should bring us together as Christians? It is the gospel. Because the focus of a healthy relationship in this way is not the similarities that we have, but the gospel itself. The gospel is what brings us together. And while natural affinities always take place in the church, I'm not saying again, I'll say this over and over, they shouldn't be because they should be, the similarities and the likeness is not our focus. Instead, as elders, as church leaders, we should focus on helping people out of their comfort zones. Now just be frank. I mean, are you always comfortable? in home group, beside every single person that you sit beside? Well, no, of course not. But it is the gospel that should compel us to make those relationships and go deeper with those relationships. And so as elders, church leaders, we should help you do that, which is a a big part of the book going forward. And when this happens... When we look different, when we're not focused on similarities, but Christ and the gospel, then what happens? We become a community that displays the gospel and the power of the gospel. As opposed to the likeness and the similarities that often draws us together. So let me ask you. Have you ever thought about such things? Does that... What I've said up until now in my pointless sermon has, have you ever thought about it? Do you ever think about such things? Or you just come along, it's the right thing to do. We're just supposed to go to church. This is what we do. But then you get home, there's just, you just go to church and you just do what you do. But the, you have really no real relationships. No power. These kinds of things. Have you thought about such things? Now if you have if so, what does it look like? What would it look like here at Grace? Well, personally, I don't think we've ever been big on programs. I th- and we all know that. We've, been, we've tried to really make a place where things are more <clears throat> organic. So in some ways, we, we, we're, we're on the right track, I believe. But as our elders are reading this book together, we even this, this week, we had some really frank and interesting conversations about what this would look like and how we evaluate this as a church inwardly and honestly it is very hard work to cultivate gospel relationships very hard work people's lives are messy if we're not willing to get involved in people's lives and speak the truth in love even about sin In our own lives first, and then in a loving way, as we get the plank out of our own eye, then we can see the speck in our brother and sister's eye. How good are we at doing such things? So as our elders are reading this book, we are looking inwardly, and it's very hard. It's easy to to hang with and form relationships with those who are like us. Again, it's going to naturally happen, and this is okay, but what is our focus? What is our aim? What is our underlying principle? It is the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God. Now I cannot recall all of the folks who have you know, left churches over the years because there's not enough whatever, not enough good relationships that I need meeting my needs, or not enough programs for my kids, or you just put it in there, people have come along, you know, I don't, there's, nobody, there's nothing for me, there's nothing in common for me. Now, that may be an okay reason, possibly, under certain circumstances, certainly to leave a church. But for the most part, we, when we do that, we neglect the power of the gospel in our relationships. So I must ask, what is it? Now I've already said it a few times, let me ask it again. What is it that unifies us as a supernatural community? It is Christ. Christ and, and Him alone. It is not our likes or our dislikes. though We're always going to have those. But we've, I'm trying to get us to shift our thinking though away from those things to Christ. So, what is God's plan for the church? If you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. A little bit of scripture this morning in the sermon. Ephesians chapter 2. If you were to read chapter 1 particularly and then move into chapter 2, we see Paul just praising God for all that God has done in Christ and bringing salvation to To himself and to the church and to this community there at Ephesus. And so in Christ, God looks down upon sinners with his great mercy and he saves us. This is what God does. So if you're here today and you are a Christian, it's only because God in his mercy and his love toward you sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. And if you believed in him, then that is and you've repented of your sins, then that is clear evidence that the Holy Spirit has come your way, and God has saved you. But look at chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, and there keep on getting it there, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together in Christ. This is the power of the new covenant community in Christ. As we saw last week, all of them will, knew, will know me. We will be a powerful community. Why? It's because God gives us life. Brothers and sisters, only Christians have this life, eternal life the Bible speaks about. There are not many types of people in this world. Some have a little bit of life, a little bit more, a little bit more. Some have a little bit of faith, a little bit more, a little more. No, they're either those who have life and have the Son and have the Holy Spirit, those who who do not in this respect. And that's why in verse 10 we read, for we are what? Chapter 2 verse 10, we are His workmanship. Whose workmanship are we? We're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. But then as we continue through chapter 2, we see a big implication for us, which is going to answer my question, what is it that unifies us as a community? Look chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Before I read it, I'm going to go ahead and answer the question. What unifies us? Oh, it is Christ. Chapter, four, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 14. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two what is the context in what he's writing? I'm talking about Jew and the rest of the world. Jew and Greek. Jew and Gentile. And <clears throat> i am just go back there. He's created one new man in the place of two so making peace that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Brothers and sisters, this truth could not be more clear. It is the gospel of Christ that brings unity. And the truth is that there is nothing in this world that can bring real unity, between the peoples of this world who have different histories, different ethnicities, different religions, different cultures. How are they brought together? Consider a group of Jews and Gentiles in the day of Christ. What do they share in common besides common humanity? What do they share? Well, here's one, one thing they do share. Okay, They absolutely hate one another. That's what they share. And then all of a sudden, as the gospel goes out, the wall is broken down from the old Israel theocracy to the nations. What happens? That wall of hostility has come down. And now you've got this Jewish person over here and this Gentile person over here. Both of them believe on the Lord Jesus. They have the Holy Spirit. And then they're sitting in a church just like this, usually in homes, but wherever they're sitting, there they are together. And they once hated one another. And then all of a sudden, they are breaking bread together. Which the Jews didn't even eat with the Gentiles. Can you imagine? That is a supernatural community. And that's the context of Ephesians, the, whole, the whole book of Ephesians. We think about our own day. What can bring together a Democrat and a Republican? who could sit together in the same church. What could bring together the the NASCAR crowd with the more, which I would have to say, in all honesty, most of our guys here are the NASCAR crowd, okay? If we get right, I'm, I'm at heart down in that crowd. How do I get together with, with the, those who love the arts and different things and different likes than what I have? What would bring me together with such? What would bring you together with such a a person think about other other examples throughout history what would bring together a slave and a master to take the lord's supper together in corinth can you imagine i mean go back in our history and look in the churches not only they separate men and women they separate the slaves could come in and sit but they would sit somewhere else some churches they couldn't even come at all except to a different service they were allowed to come Well, what can bring them together but the power of the gospel of Christ? Think about colors of skin, black and white, red and yellow, rich and poor. What brings us together? Nazi Germans and then Jews. What would bring them together? In Kenya, when I lived there, the biggest fights tended to be between the largest tribe, the Kikuyu, and the second largest tribe, the Luo. I may have my, my facts wrong there, but definitely Kikuyu was the largest. And Lua was huge. And they, each one felt that God gave them the cows. So they would fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. But then all of a sudden they would become believers and they're sitting together. This is what unifies these folks. It is the power of the gospel. And it's not just that we say we are in Christ. It is a change from the heart from the inside that no longer hates those people we once used to hate. But that is just the beginning. Because then it allows us as a church to have relationships that we would not normally have. I can't imagine greater obstacles than some of the ones I've just named. And this kind of thing doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen in this sinful world. It comes only in Christ. New Covenant Christians. The New Covenant and Christians, same thing. Christian, church, New Covenant, same thing. This only happens in the church of Christ. And this is a, we are a, supernatural community. It is a community, <laughs> it's a community of certain, certainly like-mindedness in the gospel. And yeah, we're going to have likes and dislikes we're going to come together in certain ways. But our focus must be upon the gospel of Christ. This must be our foundation. And if our emphasis is on the gospel of Christ, then we will display the glory of God, the manifold wisdom of God. When we are different and we come together in the church of Christ, then the manifold wisdom, what the world does is they look from the outside and they see Grace Baptist and they see these different types of folks coming together in the power of the gospel. And what do they say? Can't happen anywhere. That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And they say, wow, only God and his power could do such. And so this is why, even today in this sermon, what I'm trying to do is just get us to think about such things as we we'll apply them in more depth later, as we even go through the book together. But at the end of the day, if you are a Christian, your identity is in Christ. It's not your profession, the color of your skin, your social club, the bridge club, the car club, whatever it is. Our identity is in Christ, who has broken down the wall between Jew and Gentile and broken down the wall of whatever you put in there. And so this morning, as I try to bring the sermon to a close, I want to ask some probing questions for us. And I'll be frank. I'm not going to answer them all right now. I can't. But I'm going to. hopefully we're going to do that in the coming days as we think about this and at least move a little bit closer in how we do things and how we think about such things in this regard. So as I'm doing this, I, what I'm doing as a church, too, is bringing us into our elder meetings as we are talking about such things. So if you help us and you think about such things as well and pray for us as we read this book together and as we talk about these things. Now, we're not going to move away from expository preaching or anything. We'll be right back in there really soon. This is just something for us that God has really laid upon my heart as we think about this as elders. So we're bringing you together. And so next week, we'll go just a little bit further and I want to consider a little bit more some practical applications. But in, as I bring this to a close today, I have five questions that came from the book. That just These are questions for us to think about. I'll give very short answers this morning. First question. How do you define success for the network of relationships in our church? You meet in your home groups and you're talking with folks or you're sitting here on Sundays and you have conversations what is how do you define a successful relationship Ephesians 3.10 says that the church or our community and that the unity it has in Christ is supposed to display the manifold wisdom of God and so is the basis of our unity Christ or is, or is it if we really get down to it, is it the similarities that brings us together when when we have our conversations? It's question one. Question two. Are our goals, our goals and our targets, and this is asking more from, I think, to the elders than anything, but are our goals and our targets for nurturing community in the local church consistent with something that only God can create? That's a big deal. Are we fostering relationships as elders that can that only God can do? Or does the way that we practice community in our relationships push us more to a gospel plus community that we can manufacture on our own? In other words, what holds us together? If it's all those other things at the end of the day, we won't last long. And I don't think that's the case here at Grace. Don't hear me say that at all. But I do think we have a lot to think about, a a long way to go um, as we consider these things. Question number three, a little bit longer of a question. Do you find yourself, and this is more of a question for our culture as well, but do you find yourself having to sell various programs and initiatives to your congregation? Or are you appealing to them in such a way as to move them away from a consumer Mindset. Now, again, we've never really been a program church. Don't think we ever will be. I don't know how that works its way out. However, I do wonder often about our mindset. Do we have a consumer mindset when we come to church? I wonder about this often when folks come to church, when visitors come to church, to our church or any other. And just a general question why are they coming? Well, frankly, I'll be frank, folks often become, they come to a church because of what they get, either from the preaching of the word, or the singing, or the way we sit together, or what they get from people being kind or thoughtful to them in their conversations, or spending time with them, or what they get from experience, so the experience overall of coming to church. And as I think about our culture, this mindset is prevalent. For when we don't get what we want or think we need from somewhere, then we easily, and I'm not talking about us so much right here, but when folks, we see people moving from church to church to church to church, that never would have happened with a couple generations ago, or even maybe one generation ago. No matter what, because the church is a family and they stick together. But now our mindset is, "What? It's about me. What am I going to get? What am I going to receive?" Now, like, that's okay because we want to hear from the Word, we want to worship and hear from God, and that's okay. But if our that's our main focus, then you see how it could be very consumeristic. This is what I need. This is what I want. And if my needs aren't being met, then I'm going to, at least in my heart, I'm going to be upset. Even if I don't go anywhere. Or I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go to that person. And it all ties in, I think, to this idea of this power of the gospel. But I think that really, When you come here, now if you don't hear me say anything but one thing today, hear this. When you come here on Sunday morning, or when you go in your Sunday school class, or which we're not having now, but when it starts back up, when you go to your home group, or when you meet with another Christian, what question should you ask yourself? You should say to yourself, How can I? be a blessing to this person? What can I give to our gathering? How can I pray for those who are leading? How can I serve the person beside me? And do you see, there's a, if we do that, I can promise you we'll have a very powerful, loving church as long as the power of the gospel comes down to us. And so we should be asking ourselves, what can I do? How can I serve? I hope you're hearing me say that. It'll change everything about why and how. It'll change your whole experience in the way you gather with Christians. I mean, at the end of the day, when you meet with somebody, you should be saying, I want to do good to you. And I don't care. I don't say I don't care. That sounds harsh. But we all have issues. We all have problems. And we're all down. Or up or something's going on serious in our lives someone is dying because of a sickness there is a divorce there is a major anxiety or something going on in our hearts but that doesn't change the fact in fact I think this will help because it moves the focus away from me 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 which God will help us in all those things and God will Lord willing if I am still here For a week or two weeks, I'll keep preaching the gospel and you'll keep getting the gospel. But asking that question and thinking that will change and move the focus away from us to our brother or sister in Christ. And I'm convinced that that kind of a mindset is a mature community. So how are we doing? How are we doing? Fourth question. What do you talk about with church members outside of this building, outside, I won't even go to to home groups, but to what extent do casual conversations in your life differ from what you would expect to hear at the ball game, or at the local bar, or at your local meeting, or? standing outside with a group from your neighborhood? What is different about your conversation? Even in our home groups, must ask. And I am guilty, and I will raise up both hands and put my body up in the air and say I have been guilty of this more often and just as much or more than many of you. But what are our conversations in our home groups when we sit around after we have studied and prayed at our meals No, and I'm not saying that please don't hear me say to you that I think that that's that's always the case that's just a question and I'm I'm just saying for myself and so what kind of conversations do we have with Christians outside of this place that's a that's a big indicator of of whether we have supernatural community or not finally Last question, I'm just going to ask it. How many of your friendships at church would likely exist even if you were not a Christian? Those are good questions for us. So at the end of the day here, at the end of this sermon, what do we do after hearing this today? Because this is not a law-type sermon where I say, you've done this wrong. Or the Word says, we've done this wrong. So therefore, repent, look unto Christ, and don't do that again. Of course, I think every sermon should bring an awareness of sin, either in our thinking or in our affections or in our actions. Personally, whether we are like this or not, relies heavily upon your elders and how we lead, with me in particular, as the one who's preaching every week. And I would like to think that we are gospel-centered. So I I hope this has not come across as too hard on us. I'm simply asking these questions of my own self as we as elders try our best to pastor the flock at Grace and ask such questions. I hope that we are gospel-centered. And I think we are. But at the same time, as I read this book, I'm afraid that how the gospel is worked out and applied in our lives, may look different. It may sound a lot like what I've described this morning. So, with that in mind, I would ask for you to pray for your elders that we would consider with the greatest diligence the implications and applications of what it means to be a supernatural community here at Grace. And then, I would ask you to pray for yourselves. I would ask that you would consider these truths from this week and next week in particular and begin to ask yourself and your elders some really good questions as we just do our best week in, week out, week out to be faithful. And we're always reforming, always reforming through the Bible and through the, through the power of the word. And so next week I would just like to share a little bit more on this subject. So with that in mind, I'm going to close this out and I'm going to pray for us. Um, let's take just a moment of silence, just to think about these words for a moment, and then I'm going to pray for us, and after I pray, make your way as quickly as you can. We're not going to stand around and talk, because, <coughs> sorry, Ben, your home group's got chairs set up. On those days, everybody doesn't help as much, but everybody who can, come back over after to put up the chairs. We're going to leave the chairs, make your way over to the, to the pool um, after I finish, <coughs> and then we'll have some more instructions there. So let's have a moment of silence and then we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, even in my own insecurities as I preach sermons like this, I don't find, I find personally, Father, it more difficult for me and I know even more difficult may be for us. I pray that the things that were said that, that are true and that you would have for us, that we would think about such things. And we would think about our community, how we are united around the gospel of Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And how our relationships are supernatural. And Father, I really don't know what to do in many ways except just to be simple. And Lord, we we will we will do that if you will, but help us as we think about these things to apply them to our lives. Most of all, most of all, help us to love Christ. Father, our affections, we do not ever want them to leave and to, to move away. Father, help our affections that we would love him and love, love him more. That we would love you through Christ more and more and more. And help us to apply the gospel, and the Bible to our lives. Thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.